0: Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, part of the Dorkening Network, with hosts Dr. Chris
1: and Ro Lauren.
0: Twice a month, we will talk about a Hammer Horror film, only the horror movies of the Hammer catalogs from the Britain studio from the 60s, 70s, and the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Join us as we not only discuss the film's plot line, but also factoids about the different actors, production crew and behind the scenes facts as well as going over any of the information that happens to be on the blu-rays or dvds from these fantastic films
1: we will be covering classic films from the hammer's catalog horror of dracula horror of frankenstein brides of dracula prince of darkness dracula has risen from the grave just to name a few we will also not be shying away from topics like sex blood and abuse towards women that many people may think be too taboo to talk about
0: Join us again twice a month here on the Dorking Network and check out the rest of the shows on the Dorking Network. You can find us at D S A V on Twitter.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at
0: Rolorn, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. Welcome back to the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast with our final coverage of the 1985 horror comedy Once Bitten, starring Laura Hutton and introducing Jim Carrey. I am your host, Dr. Chris. I'm Scott Danielson. And joining us for the final five minutes of the movie, which are the credits, from the Jay and Silent Bob Movie Minute Podcast.
2: I'm Chris. There, gotcha.
0: And we're going to go through the credits in the movie. If you've been listening to the podcast over the last several episodes, we've kind of been picking it apart. But Chris is uh, new to these credits, as he hasn't been with us in the previous episodes. And it begins with the three main characters, which are really the the four main characters. Laura Hutton, Jim Carrey, Karen Coppins, and Cleveland Little playing Countess Mark, Robin, and Sebastian, the late, great Cleveland Little of course, the star of Sonic the Hedgehog, Jim Carrey, and recent Vogue magazine cover model, Laura Hutton. Karen Coppins, I don't know what she's doing today. I mean,
1: clearly of this group, Jim Carrey's the one that is still active, though so it's interesting. He always seems to like disappear for a bit, and then he comes back, disappears for a bit, then he comes back. <laughs> He has like a lot of ebb and flow with his career.
0: Apparently, Laura <laughs> Hutton's been modeling this whole time. I looked up or whatever, and she has just been on again, off and again modeling for the last 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she's a big advocate for, she was the rep for a drug uh, involving uh, women's menopause. Really? Yep. Yeah she was what, a long time commercials and stuff yeah, a lot of infomercials a lot of commercials for a drug that was to help women with menopause oh wow yeah and then we there go through go. the cast of all the different people that are in the movie so which we've gone over before like I said World War One vampire confederate cabin boy flower child and twin mall Flander vampires the bookseller Mr. and Mrs. Kendall uh, char- a- character actresses that have been in other things such as uh, Suzette played by Megan Millay from uh, uh, Will and Grace
2: Oh wow, yeah. I didn't realize that was her.
0: Yeah, she's also Tammy too. <laughs> she's also Tammy too on uh Parks and Rec.
2: Okay.
0: Yes. Yeah. Where she where she plays the crazy ex-wife
1: to her real husband. Correct. Which is one of my favorite things.
0: <laughs> and uh another another big actor uh from Quantum Leap, Dean Stockwell.
2: I didn't recognize him.
0: Yeah, I didn't recognize him until Mark point, uh till um Mark Scott pointed him out to me.
1: And then and then it's interesting, it's because we do have we have a couple of like kind of people who have been around, and then there's a bunch. There's a lot of people where this is like the biggest thing that they ended up doing. So it's it's all over the place. All right. So one of my favorite thing, things is that the visual effects. Yeah. Let's see. Special effects were done by. Oh, it's see. It, now I actually know who it is, but it's like by Count like Wizard or something like that. Which is fantastic. That that is. That was somebody's name. Like, oh, I'm just Count Wizard. That's it.
2: <laughs> it sounds eighties. Sounds so very eighties. Really yeah.
1: Yes. And then yeah, and then the other effects person is like Wizard 2, which is the name of that book that was in the bookshop, I think, or something like that. So doesn't make a whole a lot of sense. But uh, the actual special effects artist who isn't listed in these credits is is who, who went uncredited. His name is John Eget. And uh, he's did, yeah. He's done mostly does most has done mostly special effects work, but it's probably his biggest claim to fame would special be special effects in this movie. Dreamscape.
0: What was the special effects in this movie though? I mean, I don't count a fog machine in Mark's, you know, wet dreams as a special effect, but there was oh, the go- bat. Uh, hold on, there's the bat that Mark turns into when he's in Dracula costume. Other than that and the mirror, yes. the mirror scene where he fades away, I guess that's a special effect too, right?
2: Don't forget the blue thing that goes around her body when she starts to get old. There's some special effects there going on too.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Compl- and we just watched those five minutes. I'm such an idiot. Yes, you're absolutely correct, Chris. <laughs> I that's all-
2: funny. That,
1: yeah, there's almost nothing. I can see why you wouldn't necessarily want to be like, this is my best stuff. It'd Just be like, it's put me in something else. I don't care. <laughs>
2: Oh no, that bat was pretty good
0: One of the people on the art department uh, (laughs) that we didn't mention before Unfortunately passed away last year And I think I remember hearing about this He lived in Middletown, Connecticut, so not very far from me But he died July 8th, 2019 So about 11 months ago Frederick B. Van Brunt He was was the art director for um, a few 80s movies But once again From Friday the 13th franchise He was the art director for Friday the 13th Part 5 A New Beginning This is the one with Roy the ambulance driver as Jason Oh wow and, of course, we talked about previously that uh, Cabin Boy Vampire is from Friday the 13th Part 2. Flower Child Vampire is from, from Friday the 13th Part 4. Huh. The chubby guy who comes to the ice cream truck looking for a popsicle from Mark while he's getting it on with Robin is the kid who's killed by a psychopath in Friday the 13th Part 5 that triggers his father to become Jason. Oh, nice. Yeah. We should have we we this entire movie we should have had somebody on from the Friday the 13th movie
2: minute and I believe that is a podcast right Chris? Yes, yes, somebody is doing Friday the 13th. I'm <laughs> not positive who it is, but there is someone doing it. <laughs> oh,
1: that's so that's such a dense series to go through. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: there are some painful minutes in that movie. I'm sorry, but there there I mean, okay, so when Jason's on sc- screen killing somebody, great. When it's someone fucking or doing something stupid,
2: that's funny.
0: But there's just shots of the fucking woods.
2: <laughs> also, like uh, a, a one minute of sex would be okay, but when you got to go through like three or four minutes of it, it's gonna get a little rough. Uh,
0: you're gonna just be like, and then you're gonna go to bed with your wife or boyfriend or husband or whatever, and just be like, Ugh, I see, I see I'm where, so I see bored where with sex.
2: Me. I just yeah, spent I three where, episodes on this. I can't do it again.
1: <laughs> I, I see we're all taking the mark approach. Just one minute and done. That's all we want. <laughs>
0: That's all we need. The choreographer for this movie, Joanne DeVito, uh, I believe this is the woman I tried to reach out for for the dance sequence. And uh, if you're listening to this episode now, you may we may or may not have gotten her. Uh there's a couple <laughs> interviews that still have to be plugged into upcoming minutes, so I'm 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 still gonna be doing that. Um uh, the time that we're recording this, we just posted Skip Lackey's interview online. So we're actually jumping now into the minutes involving the laundromat scene and Mark at the uh uh the retail store. Uh which are going to have my interview with the band who plays the song from that uh retail store in those minutes. Oh nice. Yeah. I love that there's also transportation people needed for this. Obviously these people were probably either driving the cars or the ice cream truck or they were transporting people around. They never get enough credits and uh John Morello, Ro- Ron-, Ron Ronald Link Weller and Bo Falk were all in charge of transportation. There you go.
1: And then uh, our composer for this is John Dupréz and John Dupréz it's interesting this is a con- John Dupréz actually <laughs> Is unintentionally the soundtrack to my childhood because he he did the score for a number a number of movies in the late 80s and early 90s. Notably, A Fish Called Wanda did some of the music for Time Bandits. Was the composer for UHF, the Weird Al movie, oh, and nice. then the first and then the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles
0: movies. Yes, that's why his name constantly sounds familiar. She he was the. Uh, <laughs> The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle composer, and that soundtrack recently just came out from uh, on vinyl like a year ago. It was the first time ever the score for TMNT had ever been released.
1: Yeah, I, I I still have the intro song in my head as of right now. That was the one I watched on a loop for for all all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do you have any comments about the uh, the credits for this movie as they uh, creep past before we get to the uh, the good old lion of MGM?
2: Well, just so you know, I, I watched it on Tubi because I, that's where I could find it. And as the credits go, they stop, and it's trying to make me watch uh, American Werewolf in Paris as the next movie. In 20 seconds, American Werewolf in Paris will come on, just so you know. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> it, it won't even let me get through the credits. It stops credits and says, in 20 seconds, America." I don't know why American Werewolf in Paris would be the next guest, but...
0: Uh Wayne supernatural vampire werewolf movie, you know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that that would be my slightly
2: funny, funny horror movie from the eighties, I guess. Right. Not as good as this one, I hate to say, but Oh, yes.
0: I don't find a lot of things in America <laughs> Werewolf in London funny as much as people think it is. I don't say it's a bad movie. I just don't ever look at that movie as being like, ha-ha, the beginning when they're in the moors and they go to the tavern of the slaughtered lamb and stuff like that, that's funny. The the stuff with the zombie best friend is is kind of funny, but overall, I'm it's, not I'm not It's laughing. more creepy than funny to me. Like, he's dead. It's weird, you know? I, I do
1: think it was, like, it was... Before I think like Evil Dead Two kind of broke the doors open. In ter- like even I know even Once been is is probably I forget the timeline exactly, but like the doors weren't completely open. So anything that even drifted between mixing horror and comedy that, that wasn't was a bit that didn't involve like Vincent Price was definitely a big thing. Right. <laughs> so it- I would I would argue that surprise werewolf Nazis is definitely a great joke, at least from the director's standpoint. <laughs>
0: absolutely absolutely and that pretty much ends the movie and our coverage of once bitten do you guys have anything else you want to say about the film
2: well i watched it Uh, for the first time in years today and i'll tell you that laundromat scene was the was the one time that i actually laughed out loud when they pull him out of the out of the dryer and his clothes have shrunk
0: and if you listen to our interview with skip (laughs) he actually talks about how they had to do that because that was not a real laundromat there's no way a human being can really get in there without accidentally getting killed so they had to build something (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> my, but uh, my wife said, "What's going on with his clothes?" Because we were watching it together, and I laughed because it, they had shrunk. It was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> oh, she, did she didn't she didn't understand the static cling? Like no, she like...
2: Didn't get it. She's like, "What's going on?" But it looked like his clothes had actually shrunk on it, on uh, his body.
0: Right, a little bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: nice. I, I will note. I'll add one piece of trivia that I found. I think it, I forget if it, was, if it was on IMDb or where, but the one of the writers for this movie. Basically, it took so long for this to actually hit theaters that by the time the guy had had done his work on it, it had been a while, and he was working at a video store, and some person found the movie or something like that. And they said, man, I hate it. And they they were putting, they were returning it, and they're like, man, I hated this. I hope the person who wrote this is really, like really unhappy. (laughs) And apparently the writer comes up to him and goes, you got your wish. I just thought that was very interesting that just like the screenwriter just happens to be in this video store where some guy's complaining about the movie
0: he wrote, which is a nightmare I'm sure every screenwriter has had. If you enjoyed our coverage of the Vampire Movie Minute podcast, it. sorry, let me start over. <clears throat> if you've enjoyed our coverage of the 1985 car comedy Once Bitten, please leave a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We are going to be uh, taking a bit of a break, uh, but we will be back within a few weeks after this episode airs. To cover the 1980s uh, horror sci-fi uh, movie by Canon Films, Toby Hooper, by Scream Factory on Blu-ray, which, by the way, we are going to be watching the extended director's cut. This is the movie with an additional 16... Uh, minutes of footage added to the film and the scenes are slightly rearranged as well. Life Force a um, a, uh, a, a, a a bizarro freaking movie let me tell you I can't even describe it but Scott and I are going <laughs> to dissect it if you like Patrick Stewart you'll love this movie if you like vampires yeah. in space and naked women you're definitely going to love
2: this movie <laughs> I'm going to have to watch yes. it just because just you guys are making me
1: <laughs> yeah Yes, Naked Space Vampires and Patrick Stewart when he's still at a hairline. So definitely
0: check it out.
2: That's got to be weird, too.
1: Yes, it's all going to be weird.
2: Yes, in fact,
0: <laughs> this uh, movie came out a year before uh, he would uh, take over a certain starship in space.
2: Now, I got to tell you, doing the extended cut is is dangerous ground because we did the extended cut of Mallrats last season. But that And sucked. we got nothing but shit. That's... We got nothing but shit for doing that.
0: Yeah, but that that <laughs> the extended cut of uh, Mallrats unfortunately does not
2: hold up whatsoever. Uh, no, no, there's a lot of crazy things that were not in the original, the new, the real cut of Mallrats.
0: No, I'm sorry, yeah, that just does not hold up. But we are we are looking forward. <laughs> By the way, Scott, we definitely have to start uh, Life Force uh, this year because it is also the 35th anniversary of Life Force. Oh, there you Go. So I correct myself. He's actually two years away from premiering on Star Trek: The Next Generation. OK, but we have a lot to talk about with the career of Toby Hooper, Dan O'Bannon, Matilda May, Peter Firth, obviously, uh, you know, the great Patrick Stewart and, of course, Canon Films. And I'm still interested in if anyone wants to do it. I don't want to host it. I don't want to edit it. I don't want to do a lot of the legwork <laughs> work for it but I would love to co-host somebody on Masters of the Universe,
2: another canon disaster. <laughs> I know you were going to say it because you brought it up on my podcast also.
0: Uh-huh. I oh, totally <laughs> want to do Masters of the Universe. Come on, Masters of the Universe kicks ass.
1: <laughs> oh, there's so many stories from that movie like where they literally ran out of money three-fourths of the way through shooting because canon was in the midst of folding or how Dolph Lundgren basically got three attempts like he didn't have a handle on english and he got three attempts to get his english dialogue just passable enough and he just made it (laughs) like all this
0: stuff but uh that's uh, a podcast i would love to do if anyone's interested in uh scott where can people find all these glorious episodes and us on social media
1: yeah we're the vampire movie minute or the vampire
0: minute on everything Twitter and Facebook and then RadioHard.com for all previous episodes of this and The Lost Boys. Chris, where can people find you? I'm
2: Chris Therkatsch. My co-host Jeff Ferry and I do the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. We are on doingjammer.com and all your podcast catchers.
0: Thank you everybody. Tune back in a few weeks uh, for episode one of Life Force.